here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Robin McCarron. I'm here to fight, baby. Seth Rollins, get your ass out here, boy. Jeff Hawkins. When I show up, it's business time, baby. That's what I thought, baby. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Baby, baby, baby. Baby, baby, baby. Certain types of processes don't allow for any variation. You have to be part of that process. All you can do is transform or perhaps distort yourself through that persistent repetition and make that process a part of your own personality. Haruki Murakami, what I talk about when I talk about running. Today on Shake Them Ropes, we preview the one time in the year, except for all the others, when WWE gets extreme. Extreme Rules is Sunday. We have cage matches on NXT and Extreme Rules. We have the Cruiserweight Classic coming to the network, and we have what at the time was called a Cruiserweight Classic, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian Pillman from Super Brawl 2 for the WCW light heavyweight title. I'm Jeff Hawkins, Raw reviewer at Voices of Wrestling. Holla at your boy on Twitter at CrapGame13. All trolls and criticisms can go to Rob McCarron. He's at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. And Rob... If Vegas set the over-under on title changes at Extreme Rules to one and a half, would you take the over or the under? You already asked me that. <laughs> don't, don't break kayfabe. This is the worst. This is take two. <laughs> Jeff and I just recorded a half an hour of Shake Them Ropes before I of realized. Quality, quality podcasting. I tell you what, it may have been our best show ever. No, no I wouldn't go that far. It may have pretty- just been our best half hour discussion <laughs> of all time. This is the worst, I think in two years that we've been doing the show, I never forgot to hit the record button. Never. And here we are a half an hour in and I look at my little, uh, my little recorder and it's blinking and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why is that blinking? That's weird. It should be solid when I'm recording. And then two minutes later, I do a double take. I'm like, oh, well, duh, you moron, Rob. It's because it's not recording. I forgot to hit the record button. So this is take two. We are going to talk about the Cruiserweight Classic again. We are going to talk about Extreme <laughs> Rules again. We're going to talk about uh, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe in the cage at TakeOver again. And we are going to do our fun little interbanter here again, even though I absolutely have no idea what we talked about, really. Oh, uh, I know what we talked about. What did we? We, t- we talked about me. <laughs> me in the Raw review. Oh yeah, you're not long for this game. Jeff no, Hawkins. I'm not. Jeff Hawkins has been doing the the raw review uh, on the VOW website ever since Sean Flynn gave it up, and it's wearing on him. And I don't blame him. It's tough to watch a show for three hours, mm-hmm. do all the writing of it, uh, you know, basically try to make it interesting each week, especially when you have three or four raws. And really, that's been the case. You have three right. or four and- raws where everything happens the same way each episode. 
And my schedule's weird in that I usually go to bed around six my time and Raw runs from five to eight. And so I'm trying to get all my thoughts together. So I kind of write on the fly as I'm doing it. And I go to bed around nine or so. And then I wake up around two, sometimes a bit earlier. But when I get to work, you know, if that first half hour, I kind of edit my thoughts together and, and send them in. And I'm not a good editor. No. <laughs> I admit this. I, I write my thoughts and I, I do a once over because, you know, I know what I wanted to say. Right. <laughs> the hell with everybody else. And I send it off to you and Rich. And then you and Rich just, oh God, you give me the third degree so much. And and you, Mr. <laughs> what about me? Well, <laughs> uh, no, actually, it's both of you. That I remember that first column. Don't double space. It looks bad on web pages. I'm like, I didn't know. I'm supposed well, to, in my professional field, I write in double space. Yes, you're in a law I, office and they tell you to do that. And then you come to the web game and the web game is just a whole nother world. <laughs> Joe Lanza doesn't have to put up with this. Joe Lanza is buying expensive clothes on websites and not yeah, sharing. Spending all that Mac Weldon money. <laughs> getting in while the getting's good. But yeah, we have uh, we have uh, this uh, this upcoming pay per view. What, what, what do you think an eighty five dollars sweatshirt feels like on your body? Honestly, because I would never I would never spend that much on a sweatshirt. I don't think. Um, if I knew I was going to wear it a lot, I mean, mm. you spend you spend that much on jackets and different things. If I knew I was going to wear it a lot and it was really the most comfortable thing ever, I I probably would uh, look at it. What happened was. You know, he goes and buys the most expensive thing, which we talked about on last week's Shake Them Ropes. But I tell you what, not everyone is going to buy $85 sweatshirts. But if you're looking for premium stuff, if you're looking for something that, you know, feels really good, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you go and, you know, make that purchase if the value is there. Instead of and having honestly, to buy, instead of buying three $30 sweatshirts that are going to be gone in a year, yeah. why not buy an $85 sweatshirt that's going to last a whole long time? Like, what's and wrong honestly, with that? Joe is a player. And he needs to maintain the rep. He so does I get need it. it more than that. He's the single one. He, he needs it more. Well, I'm single, but you know, but I'm 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 hopeless, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it, it's like being unemployed versus not searching for work. Mm-hmm. Joe is unemployed in the lady department. You're you kind of have given up. I, I I am one of those jobs that has been written off and is never coming back. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> oh, this is turning into the sad hour. No, it's not. I, okay. I have a great sense of humor about such things, so it doesn't matter. You're um, you're a comedian professional. Oh my god, I still can't believe we didn't. Hit. Rich Krejci never forgets to hit record. Oh, actually, I think he has at least once. I tell you what, no, anyone who's done, if you're listening out there and you you dabble in podcasts, you've probably done it. Everyone's done it. Everyone has, but everyone. I usually I double check, and this week, not so much. A half an hour in. Down the drain, but hey, we we move on. We learn from our mistakes. So, Rob, if Vegas set the over-under on title changes at Extreme Rules to one and a half, would you take the over or the under? Under. What about half? That one, I believe I would take the over because I believe okay. there will be one championship change on this Extreme Rules show. The pay-per-view that I have to make sure I do not call payback because I've been mm-hmm. calling it payback all day. I may have even said payback on this very show so far. I don't remember. But it is Extreme Rules coming up on Sunday. A quick reminder, Shake Them Ropes will be live on YouTube after Extreme Rules on Sunday. Jeff and I will be live via video streaming. 
Uh, you can catch us live at VoicesOfWrestling.com or VoicesOfWrestling.com slash YouTube. The YouTube page will have a live chat room, so you can interact with us on the show via chat or on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes. But we will be live after the pay-per-view. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash YouTube to subscribe now and get all of the alerts about our upcoming live streams. Uh, so that'll be fun. So we'll talk about this Extreme Rules show coming up. But first, we got some news that all kind of uh, directly relates to the NXT and the Full Sail Arena uh, that we want to go through, including Cruiserweight Classic taping dates. We finally have information about when they are going to tape the Cruiserweight Classic. But earlier today, Jeff, on Twitter, it was announced based on like a house show storyline. This is the third takeover series of Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. And based on the craziness that ended one of the uh, West Coast house shows last weekend, Samoa Joe and Finn Balor for the title is now a cage match. Yes. Um, great. And I like, I like the, <laughs> I like it to protect the fans because the, the, the action was too fast and furious out in the crowd. So exactly. we have to keep these two in a cage. So it's, it makes sense. Yeah. I it's like, a nice touch. I mean, they go out on one of these house shows. They have their title match. It ends in chaos and all the wrestlers are coming out to separate Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. They're fighting all over the building. So now the takeover match will be in a cage, not to keep them in, not to, not to make sure that Samoa Joe like doesn't escape or something. But yes, to protect the fans, because you know that that full cell audience, they're fragile. They got they need to be coddled, protected a <laughs> little bit. They're young millennials who are fragile. Yes. Um, so we've seen Finn Balor do a coup de gras off a ladder. Dare he do it off a cage? Oh, there's no way. Okay. Not, not when I this guy's so had either. ankle problems for the last, what, four months. I, I was at the Indianapolis NXT show, I think in February, when he had ankle issues and there's no way he does that move now off of the cage. They've been kind of uh, lowering how much he does it, period. So I don't think they're going to add the extra height. I don't think, maybe we'll see a tease for it. Maybe we'll see a tease, but I don't think that one is actually going to happen. Uh, but the match itself, I mean, I am super hyped for a cage match. It's cool to have these different types of matches in full sale because we had the ladder match once, but generally it's it's generally kept as straight wrestling there in full sale. So now we're going to have a takeover with a big time main event that's had three takeovers behind it all the way back till from uh, December. Uh, and we're going to see this in a cage now. And it's mm -hmm. going to be super fun, super cool. That audience is going to be lit for it. Uh, this takeover show, really excited for. And I hope they kind of start not doing it every single takeover, but every once in a while incorporate some of your, your cool match stipulations you know, a cage match here and there, a ladder match here and there, when it makes sense. And here, it makes perfect sense. And we and have I a cage these match. Are, these are the two guys that do it. I mean, oh, these absolutely. two guys, they work so well together. And every match, they could they could put on three or four matches a week and they'd all be different and they'd yeah. all be cool. They're super different. And this way, uh, we've had the two straight matches. We already have the difference now that Samoa Joe is the one defending the title. Every other takeover, he's been the one looking for the championship. Now he's defending it. And we have the cage match to keep everything inside so you mm -hmm. do get those differences there between the takeovers uh and that's really cool and maybe at takeover on june 8th we'll see a little preview of the cruiserweight classic possibly maybe get a couple of competitors who might be in the series to kind of promote it but either way we did get the cruiserweight classic taping dates and what i think is really interesting about this is not only are they going to tape four different times but the fun the finale is on september 14th and it looks like that being on a wednesday it very well could be a live network special and they may be doing this kind of like the early days of uh, 
the Ultimate Fighter. Really, the current days of Ultimate Fighter, where you have several different taping dates, you have your different matches, but the finale, there's no spoiler for the finale. You get to see a couple of super matches and then your championship match in a live network environment. So the tapings are June 23rd, July 14th, August 26th, and then the finale on September 14th. Uh, what do you make about this uh, this stretch of tapings here? Looking forward to it. I, I bought the Evolve show with the two qualifying matches. Happy for TJ Perkins to get a look-see finally after God knows how long. I mean, he was he was out here like I remember seeing him in indie shows out here like 13, 14 years ago. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, he's been around he's forever. Put in, and, he's put in the time for sure. And Drew, Drew Gulak's put in the time. I think I think Tracy Hot Sauce Williams was probably a better choice because he plays a much better bully in terms of the gimmick in catch point. But Gulak makes a perfectly fine, good technical wrestler, can be a bully heel who who helps get, you know, white meat baby faces over. And you need these kinds of guys in the tournament. You need a well-rounded tournament. You need a, maybe a nostalgia pick as a surprise. You need a few upsets here. And you need cannon fodder. And, and you know, you have that and upsets in the first round. And then you get to the second and the third round, and you can start building up all these guys. I don't want a 32-man all-star, all-star tournament that burns through the entire cruiserweight division of every indie in the country. Right, and right. then you can't repeat it the next year. I, I I like this. I like this kind of balance. You get what you really need is about, oh, I'd say eight to 16 of these guys to be really, really great. And then the other guys, you just kind of fill in to make those guys look great while still being solid. Right. Or maybe they're getting a look-see from WWE for later and they don't have to look good now. Kind of like how uh, Skylar and Hollis on Raw, mm-hmm. who I, I'd love them to be in NXT full time and get a real feud against the revival. But you know, you have those types of guys and then you build them up and you build up a nice solid 16 men in this whole field. And then you could possibly open up an entire division. Even on the network, you can make it a network show about the cruiserweight division. I mean, you talk about veterans and you bring in a guy like Scott Taylor, uh, Brian Kendrick, who's been on yeah. NXT TV before. Uh, you can bring in these guys that have some name value and maybe put them up against the guys who maybe don't have so much name value, a guy like Jack Gallagher, a guy like Drew Gulak. Uh, so, Hey, this guy just beat Brian Kendrick, who we all know. That's cool. A guy that people don't know on the whole, like Zack Sabre Jr. Right. Even because Zack Sabre Jr. We all know him because we're in the bubble. A lot of the casuals don't know who he is. Exactly. So it's cool with the dates because I really do like that. They're not spoiling the finish. You know, there were rumors out there that they were going to tape every, uh, every match, and every show within like a week long period, just do a week of TV tapings and then run it weekly on television. Uh, you know, that obviously is not the case. Uh, so we have these, we have these separate dates and yeah, we're, we're not going to be spoiled on the winner. You know, we're going to be spoiled on the lower rounds and whatnot, but by the time we get a actual winner, it's gonna be really cool. And it, it looks like this very well could be a live network special on a Wednesday night. So kind of like a takeover. You know, we get this live aspect. We can have some uh, dream matches with the guys who didn't win. You know, say Zack Sabre Jr. makes the finals. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wrestles someone who's not in a promotion that you might never see him wrestle again. Uh, Zack Sabre and uh, I don't even know, TJ Perkins, for all I know. Uh, it, it could be a really cool night. It could be a really cool night that that rivals takeover in I think you're the only, hype. Yeah, 
I think you're only going to get one outlier here. I think the final four is going to be three guys who are in the system and one guy who's kind yeah. of new. So I think Saber's going to take that role. I think you're probably going to get La Sombra or yep. the M- Manny Andrade. And you're probably going to get, oh, you know, an Aries or a, or a uh, Christopher Gerard or, or a Rich Swan because they, you know, Rich Swan has really I, looked good on TV. Yeah, Rich Swan, you're going to get some of those guys who haven't been on TV a lot and haven't been the big names. I don't know if we're going to see Austin Aries. It makes sense why he would be in there. But at mm-hmm. the same time, with what he's doing, I don't know if they want to label him a cruiserweight. And he's also regularly in NXT and appears to probably be in some important stuff going forward. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to see a guy like Austin Aries. I could really see them keeping this cruiserweight classic to mostly unknowns, mostly the guys who are not regulars on NXT. Like, I don't think you're going to see Finn Balor in it. You know? No, no, no. I don't think you're going to see anybody that high on it. Aries is kind of low enough on the card to be able to fit in here, though. Yeah. Uh, would, Eric, Young, Eric Young could be in this thing. Eric Young could be in it. I would I would have liked to, and we very well may see this, too, uh, using a guy like Sin Cara or Callisto. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you saw anybody from the main roster. Zane, maybe? I don't think Sammy's. No. Not Sammy Too Zane. high. Too high on the, on the pecking well, order. For example, if Rusev wins the U.S. championship or maybe someone else wins the U.S. championship before all this stuff, I could see Callisto going in. I could see Heath Slater being in this type of thing and using him to get somebody over. A guy like Neville, if he wasn't hurt, I would have saw as like an almost certainty he would Mm -hmm. have been in it. Uh, But now I I don't know. But I like the fact that they haven't given us all the names. Like I would like to see some surprise names show up. I don't want them to announce the brackets. Right. I really don't. I, right. I want it to be kind of a bola type thing, to be honest with you. Yeah, you. You see like, okay, the first couple of episodes, you see all the guys who have won. Well, now it's kind of like a mystery. What's round two? Like there are a lot of fascinating matchups we can see. And yeah, they keep or doing you do, that. Or you do something like Japan where they, you introduce all the competitors, but uh-huh. you don't announce the brackets. Right. And then you go into the matches and then, you know, we, we see who, who, where, where everything shook out so to speak. I think that'd be kind of a cool presentation too, if they tried that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. And now we finally have some detailed concrete information about the cruiserweight classic, which is really cool. Uh, for those listening, if you'd like to support the show, visit us on our Amazon affiliate link, voices of slash Amazon. If you're doing any shopping on Amazon, go through voices of slash Amazon. Any purchases you make go to help support our show and there is no extra cost to you. So be a friend. Go to Amazon through voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Follow Jeff at Crap Game 13. This Sunday, Jeff, it is the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. It is time to go through this card, and we start with a match that I've been dying for. A no-disqualification battle between Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin. Oh, okay. <laughs> this yeah, is where no, this is um, where Jeff, you come in hot about how excited you are for this match as well. I, you know, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm just I, I think this should be a total destruction of Dolph Ziggler, and I don't think we're going to get it. I think Dolph's going to get some offense in here, and then he's going to get destroyed eventually. But you know, I, I really think Baron Corbin needs to destroy somebody. I would love he's to see him destroy Vince, somebody. But it almost seems like Vince is now so enamored with Big Cass as the big tall guy that that Baron Corbin's almost gone on a back burner, so to speak. Yeah, for all the craziness in WWE this year, a lot of it has had to do with timing. And a lot of it has had to do with timing of injuries. Because you are absolutely right on the Big Cass thing. Baron Corbin would be 
mega huge as this big solo big guy if Big Cass was still in the tag team with Enzo. But right now, Big Cass is by himself. And we don't have a match yet on the show for Big Cass, but I could I could see one being added on the oh, day he, of. He, I think he and Bubba are fighting. All right, is it going to be him? Well, they probably... If they didn't do it on SmackDown. Yeah, they may make that on SmackDown. We're taping this before yeah. SmackDown is being taped. So maybe they do it on uh, on SmackDown, possibly. Um, Big Cass wins that match too, right? If they do a singles match oh, yeah. with Bubba, oh, oh yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'll bring up a point that you made before we realized we weren't taping. And, and please <laughs> do, do, double, double check that right now. We're still taping. We are. Uh, yeah, there is no flashing okay, light. We are recording yeah. right now. Yes. You you brought up a very good point, I thought, in that you want to see, you don't want to see a wrestling match. You want to see a fight because it's right. no DQ. Right. But I, <laughs> I think we're going to see a straight wrestling match. I think it's going to be an eight too. minute pre-show straight match. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a straight match with a couple, with a little bit of plunder in it. Whereas I want to see Baron Corbett run him over with a motorcycle on the way down because that's how they built him up on breaking ground. I think it'd be cool to bring back a motorcycle for a guy yeah. who actually uses one. And it's no DQ for God's sakes. Run him over with a motorcycle. For God's run sake, Vince. Run him over Vince, with a motorcycle. Run a dude over with a bike. And Why I like not? Dolph. That's, that's not negative on Dolph, but he has to die in this match. He has to die. Is it still PG if Dolph Ziggler gets run over by a bike as long as there's no blood? I want uh, PG-13. It's fine with me. I think it's PG. I You you have uh, cartoons do that all the time. Yes. I think it'd be PG. I think you can get away with it. That's right, Vince. You got to kill Dolph Ziggler on this show. As long, as long as he comes back on Raw with absolutely no injuries, then it's PG. Well, absolutely. I mean, you can't sell from day to day, Jeff. One and <laughs> no, done. That'd be, that'd be ridiculous. Who'd ever think of sitting out for a month after get, you get pile drive? Get run over from a bike, die, come back to Raw the next day, sleep it off. You're fine. It's Lucha Underground all of a sudden. <laughs> the next match. <laughs> and I go into this uh, hesitantly. Okay. Because, oh my God, this angle on Raw. Dean Ambrose. Chris Jericho, it is an asylum match. It is a cage match with weapons. Of all the ideas to steal from TNA, this is the one. And while I did enjoy the performance of Chris Jericho and all he was really doing was reacting to how ridiculous Dean Ambrose was being, but the performance on Chris Jericho at Raw was great. Dean Ambrose, I'm not going to say his performance wasn't great because he was doing what he does, but this guy just will not get away from being prop master Dean Ambrose. Prop comic Dean Ambrose. Oh, dear Lord. And, I, and I, I talked about it, I, I joked about it on Twitter, but I don't really think it's that much of a joke. In 20 years, if Dean Ambrose goes into the WWE Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. his little montage, his little collection of, uh, you know, past glory, his little video that introduces him into the Hall of Fame will be nothing but all of the props he has used. Because this guy can't go through a feud without using a bunch of props, not only on Raw to set it up, but on the pay-per-view itself. And now we have the mecca of props with Dean Ambrose being this weapons cage match. That's all he does. And Carrot Top will induct him, right? Yeah. Probably, Um, if they can get him. He'll probably (laughs) go in the Hall of Fame before Dean Ambrose. Why not? Get him on the show. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, it, it was supposed to be a menacing type of thing. And they got the, the dumb music playing the whole time. And then they do a close-up of the plant. And you're just like, ugh. And then you realize that what this could be 
a really cool match for the blow off of a blood feud, which, and again, I want this to be a fight as well. It's in a cage with no escape. Great, great stipulation. Cause I hate cage matches where you can escape. It's stupid. You're supposed to be able to keep guys in there to finish the fight. So yes, I like that. But at the same time, then you realize you see the plant and you go, you realize this feud was over a fake TV show and a plant and a jacket. And you yeah. just roll your eyes Props. and go, oh, what could have been? Yeah, it's about it's about accessories. It's, it's a war of accessories. And you're just like, uh, the whole presentation was kind of hokey. The match itself, sure. Give me these two guys killing each other with plunder. Again, it's a PG world, so it can only go so far. But I don't want to see lion salts in the cage. I want to see Chris Jericho brawling for his life. Right. Because basically that's what he's got to do. Brawl for your life, Chris Jericho. But who wins? Because this is Dean Ambrose's match. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't see Undertaker losing a lot of Hell in the Cell matches. Like, this is his specialty, right? This is going to be his thing. I, I assume we're going to see it again. Why not? Like This is the third or fourth time that we've seen this specialty where he decides, okay, you know what? Now we need to take it crazy into the extreme. And so I'm going to make it a hell in the cell or a ladder match or, you know, anything goes and then he loses. But no, I'm going to say that this is the time they break that. Even though I can't yeah. always pick Chris Jericho because there's no reason he should win. And then he wins. But this time I'll pick Dean Ambrose to win this match. I'll pick Dean Ambrose just because why would you lose your specialty match? Have some respect for yourself for a lunatic too. This guy really put a lot of thought into that cage, mm. especially for only having short notice. I wonder who he all worked with. He's got to know people in production if to get this cage put together. So good for Dean Ambrose. But yeah, we're going to have Dean Ambrose, Chris Jericho. Uh, we have the fatal four way for the WWE Intercontinental Championship, a match with a lot of possibilities in my mind, but a match I'm really looking forward to. I mean, four guys, four top workers. And yes, the Miz is a top worker. Super match going in. And it's almost like no matter who wins, I'm going to, I feel like I'm just going to love this match as long as things go well. And there are a lot of possibilities. I think the most interesting possibility as far as a victor is Sami Zayn, just with the future that they can go from here. Uh, but I, I, I want to go with the Miz. I think the Miz is going to end up winning. And I really like the Miz and Maurice act. And there are some possibilities to go here. Does Kevin Owens get a one-on-one -on -one rematch? Does he get screwed, go to the back of the line? I don't know. I just think there's the most possibilities of Sami Zayn winning, but it's more likely that The Miz wins. What do you think? I think, and again, I'm going to bring up a point you made earlier uh, on our first take. Sami is the one guy who doesn't belong in this match. He is. Because, because of all the things that he's gone through, and he doesn't belong in this match. And, and when we um, say he doesn't belong, it's because the Miz is the champion. Obviously, that gets him in this match. He has to defend the title. Kevin Owens did not get his rematch with the Miz after losing at WrestleMania. So he's in this match. Cesaro was in the title match last pay-per-view, got screwed out of it. He deserves in this match. Sami Zayn is only in this match because he just won't let Kevin Owens go. Right. And I remember when Miz won this belt, my theory was they're going to build him up for Apollo Crews. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, now. where is he now? Yeah, he's 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 on Golden Corral commercials and, and video packages saying he's going to be a star. Tyler Breeze is getting infinitely more TV time than him 
And that's a miracle considering where each was a month ago. So I tend to think one of the two faces is going to win this and be a new champ. And I think the right choice here is Sami Zayn for a toe-in-the-water mid-card title push to see how he handles it. Mm-hmm. And I think it builds up into the Zayn in, Zane story, into the Owen story, to a ladder match at SummerSlam okay. between the two of them. And they need something to climb for, and this would be it. And so this ties into the Royal Rumble being a ladder match, or not Royal Rumble, but WrestleMania being a ladder match. It it, it ties into Zayn constantly screwing Owens and getting into the matches and and ruining his chance, and and Owens never getting a rematch and being screwed. Finally, I'm going to get this guy one on one for my belt. So I think I think that's what happens. I think I think this leads to an uh, a feud going into SummerSlam for a ladder match. Yeah, I, I like the possibility of Sami Zayn winning. And one of the reasons why he very well could win is the fact that, I mean, he isn't, you know, he, he doesn't belong in this match. So you give the guy the victory who doesn't belong in this match to start with. And now everyone is now in a puzzle. They're all pieces. And then they can play the, this puzzle. They can, yeah, then they can play at the underdog from the underground thing. Even more. though is he an underdog still if he's defending the championship? Well, if he if he steals the title in a win, oh, you know you know how they do that all the time, where yeah. where where the, when they're building up underdogs, they I mean they did that with Callisto, the first few weeks he had the title, he, he'd always get like these sneaky roll ups and stuff. So now this is the match where I think the title could change hands here. I like Rusev winning mm-hmm. the U.S. title against Callisto, a match that very well could open this pay per view. Callisto Rusev, Callisto goes in as the champ. But I think Rusev and Lana, they've been, uh, you know, pushed more heavily. They have a higher profile within the last month ever since the League of Nations disbanded. I like Rusev to win the title here. I think there's no doubt Rusev wins the title. No, and I ooh. think it's And I think it's mostly to set up a match on Memorial Day when, when Cena comes back. That's right, because John Cena is coming back. And shortly after, it sounds like Seth Rollins could come back, too. That is... Uh, I like Rusev to win the title here, but I'm probably only going like 65%. So you going absolutely no chance that Callisto wins. That's uh that's a pretty uh, pretty strong oh. position. All right, let me backtrack. I'll don't, give 95% don't change chance. your position. Well, I was commending you for making a strong position here and now you're backtracking. Every, everything they've done with Callisto doesn't work. They Nothing always have sense. the con- they have the contractually obligated Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero name dropping. That doesn't work. Callisto, People love Callisto, but they, they don't do, see him as a sort champ. Of. They they like him as a, as you know. Oh, it, it's like a it's it's like the clowns in the circus. They're here, but you know what? After a while, we want to see the other people. You could have Callisto lose the title here and then go into the cruiserweight classic, and he'd be great. Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, if they, could, if they could use that to rebuild him and do a credible title guy instead of do the few spots against a few giants and then now it's like Rey Mysterio. Yes. Now, this may be Rob being, you know, that guy or whatever. I was a big fan of both of the Ryback and Callisto matches, the WrestleMania one, the one last month, you know, okay. former WWE superstar, the Ryback. Right. I was as well. Yeah, I was a big fan of those two. Mm-hmm. Will this match be better than Ryback and Callisto? Yes. 
I'm going to say yes because if, I think Ryback can do a lot more athletically, and I think Rusev, he has yeah. some very yeah, Rusev. Yeah, he has a lot more. Uh, he has a lot of, uh, of of aerial stuff he can do for a big man. That's just very very impressive. Yes. And I think I think I think I think he works. I think uh, he works better than Ryback. I like yeah. I like what they can do. And if it is better than the Ryback match, great, right? Because those matches I really enjoyed. So if this is better, then perfect. I, I will take great matches on pay per view all day long. Uh, I like how Rusev almost plays with everybody. I, I think this is a guy that has not found someone in the ring that he is not compatible with. So and I, I don't that. mind if I don't mind if Lana gets involved. I just don't want her to be the cause of the loss. Right, and that tends to be their go-to. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times then they have a second, which would be a shame. Well, you shouldn't be breaking up Lana and Rusev again already. No, 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 no. I don't think I don't think you'll break up Lana and Rusev. I just don't I don't want her to be involved in the fall. No, okay. that's what. Yeah. Nope. I got you there. Uh, and we, that ends our recap from our from our first hour. It wasn't we are, as good as the first take, but uh, <laughs> we, we we move on. We are now we are now fully <laughs> on to uh, to all fresh, new fresh content. material. Finally. Okay. Good. Here we go. I thought we did fine, Jeff. We were good. We were I fine. thought we did fine. The people, <laughs> the people will decide. The people will decide. Uh, the submission match for the WWE Women's Championship. This got the main event segment of the Go Home Raw to this pay per view. Uh, so good for them. Charlotte defends against Natalia. Ric Flair is banned from ringside. Ric Flair is banned from ringside. Charlotte Natalia submission match. So you know there's going to be a lot of groundwork. There's going to be uh, not so much of the craziness. This is going to be a ground battle. And I think honestly. This will suit both of them super well. So I'm really looking forward to what they do here. I just don't think there's any way Natalia wins. I think the attempt to make it main event fell flat because of Stephanie's involvement. She just overshadows people. She really does. Almost anyone she's in the ring with. And and part of it is because, yeah, they're going to write her to be super strong. But at the same time, she is a really compelling character and she has strong camera presence. So it's not just that they write her to be stronger than everyone she will often take the focus off of anyone, almost anyone she, that's and, on screen. And she did. And she did here. Oh, for sure. She the the slap with Rick has more resonance than they, the match. They, they they definitely made that the big moment of this. And Rick Flair isn't involved, and Stephanie McMahon is not involved. Uh, you have Charlotte and Natalia, and they were just kind of there. But I, you know, Natalia closes the show by carrying the title, so that's good. Uh, I think it's a fun little program for Charlotte to have coming off of WrestleMania, but this has got to be the end of it. And whether it's Paige next or whether it's Sasha Banks next, we'll see. Uh, but Charlotte goes over Natalia here, right? I mean, no, no chance Natalia wins. Correct. And I disagree that it's going to be a different match in a ground battle because I think it's going to be the same as the other match. Really? Charlotte always going for the figure eight and Natty doing those terrible looking double legs trying to get the sharpshooter see, on. I really do. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, but at the same time, because this is a, you know, a stated stipulation, I think they will go to the ground almost immediately. And okay. like, it, it's going to be almost like when you have a beat the clock challenge or a Iron Man match, like they just go for pinfalls so quickly when it well, doesn't do even that. make sense. All all big women's matches now do that. Everybody goes for the pins immediately to start that off. It it's happened in it happened in the Iron Woman match. It happened in the Triple Threat in WrestleMania. That's the go to for scripting a women's match. Well, I no, I um, I disagree that it's the go to for scripting a women's match. What you just said there, you were right. But think about it. It was an Iron Man match, which is part of my point. Right. You, you go no, for the pins right away, and the Triple Threat match, that. you go for the pins right away because you want to make you want to catch the third person off guard. 
Okay, so here's where you start thinking how WWE scripts things, because they do things on purpose. Yeah. And one of the things they did here was in the contract hidden in there was Ric Flair cannot come down to ringside, otherwise Charlotte loses the belt. Uh Uh-huh. So there's one of two possibilities here. Either Ric Flair comes down in drag and says that it's not Ric Flair. Stop it. I'm saying it's one of the possibilities. Or someone else or someone else comes in. Well, Charles Robinson. Charles Robinson, too. Yeah, I guess you can do that. Do you think he'll be the referee for this match? I... Because if you were if you were assigning referee duties, there's no way you put Charles Robinson as a ref for this match, let alone really for any match. But if Ric Flair's banned, why doesn't Charles Robinson come down? Maybe he comes down in the robe, like dressed as Ric Flair. That could be it. That could be it. And and you know, and then distract, and then Flair comes out while being distracted, and then oh, he wasn't supposed to be down here, but the ref didn't see it. Right. Um, Charles Robinson I... just ignores everything. I'm going to go the other way. Okay. I'm going to say someone someone else interferes here. And I think it's going to be Dana Brooke. And I think they're going to put Natty with Dana because Natty can carry Dana to a really good match. And they have a lot invested in Dana Brooke. And then I think they've already established Paige. Uh, since Paige beat Charlotte, she's quote-unquote number one contender afterwards. So I think they go that way. I think somehow Dana Brooke ends up costing Natty this match. It is interesting because Dana Brooke, she came up to be part of this Emma thing, and then Emma gets hurt. Emma has a back injury. She's going to be out for a while. So mm-hmm. now Dana Brooke is kind of up here just by herself, almost almost like Apollo Crews, like some of these guys who were brought up right after WrestleMania. And then, you know, it's a fun thing to bring them up, but what are we going to do with them? Oh, we got to put them on superstars because we have no plan. And Dana well, especially, Brooke, she's right there now. Dana Brooke is well, right there. Yeah, especially since they blew through Becky Lynch like yeah. they did. It's like, they boom, did. okay, she, she beat him. Fairly, well, I I think they bro- they blew through Becky Lynch because whatever they had planned for Lynch and Emma and Dana isn't yeah. going to work now, so right. they had to kind of go away from that. And that's why I think now they're going to put Dana with Natty because Nat being in the ring with Natty, doing a program across the country, being in the ring every night is yeah. going to make Dana Brooke improve. So yeah. I think that's the way they go. I think you uh, I think you have a possible uh, chance there with that. Dana Brooke, I, what do you think about Dana Brooke? Because she's had two weeks now on television. Uh, she's by herself now. Has she impressed you? Has she disappointed? Has there not been much meat to her yet? I don't think there's been a lot of there there. Okay. So to speak. I'm, I was against the move to bring her up. Because I think what they needed to do was bring her up as a manager for Emma and then let her continue to train in the performance there. Because again, she hasn't had a big time match, really. The Asuka match was good, but... You know, there wasn't anything you're going to talk about. She's had those two high-profile matches. One was a squash and one was Asuka. So it's it's like now you're bringing her up to swim with sharks, and it's like a Bobby Lashley situation where or, or you know, Mason Ryan or someone to that effect, someone that Vince or Hunter or Kevin Dunn fall in love with. They come back too fast. And plus, she's been out with surgery. It's not like she's been working in the ring every day. Right. So I... Dana has a good personality. Mm-hmm. Dana talking smack in the ring amuses me to no end. I've already in recanted and in, in and, and out get, of the ring. Yes. And I want to get rid of the entrance where I do that poor imitation of her because I was done out of spite 
and I've already apologized for that so, numerous times. She will never be appearing again on Shake Them Ropes Theater in that form. In I'll that form. That do we need to record another one where you are uh, doing the Dana Brooke impression out of reverence and respect? I have not yet come up with a good Dana Brooke impression to, 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 to do it, but I, I think— <laughs> Was the uh, last one a good impression? Well, I— Never mind. Uh, okay. it, they're they're all bad impressions. But I mean, a, a bad one that doesn't reflect poorly on her through my prism. I'll put it that way. It doesn't look like I'm making fun of her. Let's put it that way. That's that's what I need. I need I need a I need some sort of voice that doesn't make it sound like I'm making fun of Dana Brooke being built, so to speak. I'll put it that way. On Before Monday. I dig myself any further. <laughs> on but Monday. No, I think, I think Dana, Dana should be fine, but okay. she's going to be doing these two-minute squashes against Alicia Fox and whatnot. Until she starts doing these 10-15 minute matches on house shows, her learning curve has already stopped. Now it needs to start again. I think it's going to be hard, and I think they're going to protect her, but I think it's going to be hard for her to live up to probably the position they're going to give her. On Monday... A segment took place with the New Day <laughs> Okay, that some people on my timeline were saying was the worst New Day segment they've ever seen, while others were praising it, while others were just mildly enjoyed and didn't think one way or the other about it. I, I thought there was plenty to enjoy with the Back to the Future, you know, Time Machine New Day segment. I didn't think it was going to be that, you know, outrageous as far as the uproar of negativity. I thought it was funny. I thought Kofi coming out saying his best uh, year was 2009. That was fun. And it was just a it was just a goofy little way to promote this match coming up. And the New Day, they're goofy. Let's face it. Uh, New Day vaudevillains, the tag team titles on the line. Uh, any hot takes on Monday's segment? And who do you have winning this one? And spoiler alert, I think the New Day win. I go back and forth on on the segment itself because I I understand the criticisms of it. I think a lot of people have turned on the New Day because they've been kind of goofy, turned into catchphrase machines as opposed to— I mean, when they were heels, they had real bite to their comedy in some ways, and now they don't. It's kind of been taken away from them. Because now, now it's WWE PG comedy instead of kind of the, you know— it, the little cutting comedy that they were, yeah, they, they were, were doing. The, they always kind of self, they was self aware, but it wasn't breaking the fourth wall. Now they're breaking the fourth wall, and I understand why. They, I laughed at the Kofi thing. I get it, but it's a little bit too break the fourth wall. It's like Stephanie going, "I play a bad guy on TV." I think it's. It, I think wrestling fans don't want to be told, "I'm just a wrestler and I'm doing this and this is all fake." I think when they're watching, they want to buy into it. So I think that's one of the reasons for the anger for it. That said, at the end there, I like this version of the VOD villains a lot. I like this viciousness that they have on the main roster they that do. they never had in NXT. Oh, yeah. They're tough. This is one of the few acts that looks better on the main roster than on NXT to yeah. me. Yeah. Now, their promos need work, and 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 uh, Aiden English needs to stop singing. Well, that, that I agree with. We've been saying that for weeks. You got to, you got to stop this weird singing. Just be and, a tough and, guy. And yeah, and, and Gotch needs to be more of a tough guy than kind of a movie villain, silent movie villain to tie people on the railroad tracks, twirling the mustache all the time. But I like what they do in the ring. Mm -hmm. That said, I mean, I could see them if Xavier's in the match. I could see Xavier taking a fall and them switching the belts just to give the new guys a bit of a rub. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's mostly, I, I'm 
even going so far as 60-40 that the New Day win. Yeah, I would I would put the uh, edge on New Day right now. I could see now if you're talking about the over under for for title changes, I think Callisto and Rusev is going to be a title change. But mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if we have two title changes and that isn't one of them. Like if the tag titles change, maybe an intercontinental title change. What I would be shocked though is if Roman Reigns loses the WWE title to AJ Styles. And not because I don't think they would give AJ a win. I just think they have ideas for Roman Reigns that they want to continue with and you can do other things with Styles. Uh, we have an Extreme Rules match. The main event of this pay-per-view, Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, I think has a ton of heat to it. I like the angle on Monday. I've liked really everything they've done for the last two months with these guys. And we have Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson involved. We have the Usos involved. Extreme Rules, so anything can go down. How does this one, how, how should we take this match as far as what do we expect to happen? Or should we just throw out any of our expectations, just enjoy it and kind of see where they go with this? I thought the logic last night was wonky in how they built it up because the whole story has been that AJ is still a good guy, but he's hanging around with bad guys and he won't take advantage of a situation to hit Roman until last night. The problem was he took a chair to Roman after Roman had already taken a chair to him, making Roman a bad guy as opposed to the, the baby face. It just seems so weird to try and position AJ as a heel against Roman for using a weapon that Roman already used. Yeah, Roman used it, so it, it was interesting. I I don't know what they're doing with the positioning. I just think it's one of those where, you know, you decide who you like better. You know, we're giving you bad things about each guy. We're giving you good things about each guy. You decide who you like better. Roman Reigns, AJ, and cheer for him. Well, they're trying. They're really trying to make Roman a good guy, a badass good guy in the face of AJ being a sniveling heel sort of here. But I don't think AJ's going full heel. Don't get me wrong. I think this match, you have run-ins galore from the club and the Usos because it's no DQ. Yeah. So you can do that. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Now, one thing that probably is not going to happen, I think this is the first pay-per-view in a while where we can fully believe that Finn Balor is not showing up, right? Yes. I, I don't think Finn Balor is going to be pulling the strings on the club. Although he's in this title match in June in a couple weeks. So yep. it's early enough where they could bring him to the full roster and have him do double duty on that last card as a swan song to get the goodbye chant and then bring him back up. But I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't think he's coming. I think what happens here for the match is that the Bullet Club blows it for AJ. Hmm. And then on Raw at some point, or for the next month, who knows, they play up this thing like all is forgiven, all is forgiven from AJ. I don't want your help anymore. Let's shake hands and be done with it. And then the Bullet Club beat up right. AJ eventually and then yeah. reveal who the, who the real guy with the strings, pulling the strings is. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, but I, yeah, I think I think eventually it becomes a total schmoz with all six guys out there fighting. Referees try and break it up, but then they're reminded, no, it's no DQ. They can't do that. So everybody comes back. Uh, I think AJ and Roman get a bit of a good match in here one-on-one at some point, but it's not going to be very long. And Roman gets the win. Really looking forward to it. I look forward to the main event last time, just because I didn't know what was going to happen. Like you were just like, is someone going to show up? What, what are Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson going to do? This one is different because 
I really have liked when Roman and AJ have been in the ring doing all this different stuff. You know, whether it's Roman spearing AJ when he's not looking because he didn't know what was going on with the chair or whatever the case may be. I am fascinated. I'm fascinated by what is going to go down in the ring between these two. And we saw on Monday something I did not think we were going to say, period. Not even in this pay-per-view match. We saw a Styles clash onto Roman. And it, it was a little slow. He was, you know, tough going, getting Roman up because Roman's a really big dude. But he shows that he can hit it. And it is going to be crazy in that building when AJ Styles hits the Styles clash on Roman. I think it'll be a kick out. It's going to be like the oh, Jericho yeah. match. It's We're going to be a kick out. I think that might happen twice. It could. As a matter of fact. It could. But that is going to be a hot moment when we get that Styles clash. It is going to be mm-hmm. crazy. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think Roman Reigns wins the title here, whether he goes on to John Cena. Because I, I, I just don't see AJ Styles being WWE champion. But... At some point, we're going to have to start envisioning it because who would have thought AJ would have been the focus of Raw over the last two months? And yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, but AJ Styles has been the guy. He's been the babyface in the company for the last two months. And it's been surreal. And, and this pay-per-view is one top to bottom. If you were rating on a 1 to 10 scale, Jeff, top to bottom this show, your excitement level for everything. You know, I'll be, I'll, I'll go the high side. I'm seven. Yeah. I would, I would say based on the in-ring, based on the outcome of the main event, uh, based on the big, big cast versus Bubba Ray match we possibly could get. Um, I would say, yeah, seven or eight as far I'm as my hype it, level. And, and, and that's putting it in a vacuum without the build. Cause I think the builds for most of these have been terrible. And maybe we get a one-on-one match, that big dream Dana Brooke versus Alicia Fox match that you brought up. <laughs> and now I can't stop thinking about, maybe really? we get that one. Maybe we get that one uh, before we get into our top 100 match of the week, which is a cruiserweight battle. It's timely. We're here uh, right before the cruiserweight classic. We got a, a big cruiserweight match in our top 100 matches to see before you die. But before that, It is time for our Twitter question of the week. You can send in questions at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. Twitter.com backslash (laughs) Shake Them Ropes. Hit us up with a question. Twitter question of the week. Of the week. Week, 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 week. (laughs) Send them in anytime. We will answer one specifically on the show. This one comes from Shroommeister. The Shroommeister on Twitter. Mm. With all of the new talent mixing in with the old talent, could this year's SummerSlam be a dream match card? A card with a lot of dream matches. What do you think about this? Uh, the possibility for SummerSlam? You got AJ Styles in. You got Seth Rollins, John Cena coming back, Anderson and Gallows. There's a lot of talent mixing it up here. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it has potential to be a big card. I think. I think it, it does have the potential to be a dream match card. The... The negative, however, is I think we're probably getting John Cena and Roman. If, yeah. if they don't go into the U.S. title picture with John Cena, which they could, I don't, I don't see it, but I think we're going to get John Cena and Roman. And that to me is not necessarily a dream match. I mean, it's a big match in the realm of heavyweight title picture for WWE, but it is not a dream match to me where the dream matches could come in is if Randy Orton comes back and Vince McMahon last week said that Randy Orton is within 30 days of returning Randy Orton and AJ Styles to me, and maybe I, I doubt it's a dream match to a lot of the people listening to the show right now, but to me, AJ Styles and Randy Orton is a dream match. 
If that happens on SummerSlam, that's a big deal for me. So that I would consider a dream match on there. Uh, Anderson and Gallows, we'll see where they kind of fit in the tag team scene. Uh, there are possibilities for dream matches on the show. Brock Lesnar, if Brock Lesnar is going to be on the show, there's a lot of talent he can mix it up with. Uh, yes, I would say there is a potential to have some dream matches on the on the SummerSlam card. I do not believe it will be a card full of dream matches. No, and I think I think there'll be a choice in a match, and I agree with you about Reigns and Cena that will overshadow what could have been, and everybody's going to fantasy book, oh, well, what if they had done this card? Like, for me, I'd love to see Cena and AJ Styles. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. that would be a, a match that and, I really would want to see. And one day we're going to get that. Now, I fear that it'll be on a Raw, but even if it's on a Raw, maybe that's even better because you can give them 20 minutes on a Raw. Sure, they didn't build it up, and sure, that could have been done well on pay-per-view, but the fact is we get a 20-minute John Cena-AJ Styles match, and that would be super cool, and I'll watch it on Monday night. Um, I feel like we're going to get that. And one thing to consider here, we're talking about a dream match show. We don't need to get all of these matches on one show. It's kind of what no. we talked about with WrestleMania, right? Especially in the Intercontinental title scene, when a lot of people were calling for Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, we got the ladder match. You can spread things out, and that's okay. You don't have to put every every dream match on one show. So right, I think but you don't want to do them. Out. You don't want to do them as blow off matches on Raw. Either. Oh no, no, not not at all. You don't you don't want to. Um, but if you were to ask me right now, when's the first time we're ever going to see John Cena versus AJ Styles? I think the odds are in favor of it being on Raw versus on pay-per-view. Just the odds and what they oh. do with their TV show. Um, but I would love it nonetheless. And what? who's the third? We got Seth Rollins. We got Randy Orton. Oh, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is also apparently coming back within 30 days. So where will, where will Bray Wyatt? Where will Bray Wyatt fit in all this? A lot of options with old talent. I think the question was a good one because we do have a lot of old talent mixing with new talent and a lot of exciting talent. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see who gets paired off with who. Uh, speaking of big talent, our top 100 match, Jeff, tell the people what mm-hmm. it is. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian Pillman, the opener of Super Brawl 2 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I believe. The it Mecca. Was fe- the February Mecca. 29th, 1992. They're a very, a very interesting card. Yeah, we were... the last The last match we had was on Halloween night. And then this match here is on leap year day. So we're getting some of these wacky uh, situations of, of shows falling on very interesting days. Uh, this is Super Brawl 2. I was very disappointed. This, this show happens in 1992. I was very disappointed that we did not get a mini movie opening this pay-per-view. <laughs> but what we got instead was a, you know, graphics talking about all the matches that are on the card Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone, you know, discussing the big matches, the title matches, and then Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura discussing the title matches, even though Jesse Ventura apparently forgot every match that was happening on the show, it seemed like. like he, this was just, well, this is Jesse Ventura's debut in oh WCW. My, well, there you if, go. If, if, if you watched the beginning of, of Super, did you go directly to the match or did you, because somebody no, on I, I watched, feed I watched the beginning. Said, said, watch. Yes, he came out on a motorcycle. Yep. Called him good old JR, called him JR and said, all you need is a cowboy hat and you'd look like J.R. Ewing. Yeah. Which I think is what he wanted us to see. And then, of course, once he goes to WWE, cowboy he hat. becomes just that. Um, another interesting historical note, and some people can point to this as 
the beginning of the end for the day after this being the beginning of the end of WCW, because this is the last card that Dusty Rhodes books in WCW. He is fired after that, or he's been fired, and this is the last card he books. Coming in after this, Bill Watts, who had good intentions but didn't have good ideas, especially concerning two of the two, the two people involved in the match were watching because, of course, one of the infamous things Bill Watts did was get rid of moves off of the top rope. He made them illegal. <laughs> so so you put this in, in a bit of a conundrum. It's, it's a crossroads. It's really the end of my hardcore fandom. I'd still follow WCW because I was loyal and I was hoping it would turn around, but... 92 was a weird year anyways for me because I was I was trying out for football in college at the time. And we I had actually found both Rex Sport Pro Wrestling a little bit earlier. And also in our in our break room for for football, we had a we had a satellite dish attached to the lounge and some of the guys had found Japanese professional wrestling. <laughs> so I got into like New Japan and things like that. But this match, watching it now with fresh eyes. It's very interesting to me how much of the current indie circuit takes a lot from this match. Because this match is kind of a hodgepodge of everything you see on the indies today. You get a lot of the spot monkey things that people call spot monkey stuff of, you know, moves for no reason, which Bill Watts hated. He hated it, and that's why it came in. That's why Liger basically disappeared for three years. Then you get a lot of on-the-mat grappling which has become in vogue once again. And then you get some strong style, you know, German suplexes onto the head and whatnot. So it's, it's a nice weird combination of everything you see on the Indies today. I still love this match. I love listening to Jesse Ventura get geeked out over this match. He does where he goes. I think this is, I think this is the most moves I've ever seen a match. I think this is the best high flying match I've ever seen. He he called it the best high flying match match he had ever seen and very well could have been because we're talking about 1992 here uh, yeah at the time i mean you gotta remember at the time it, it's it, all matches are a time capsule of their thing right the most aerial wcw had gotten for the most part was two cold scorpio yep and you know before that muda who did a moonsault all right this is stuff mostly unseen by people in wcw you know you had your acrobatic guys but nothing like this and Pillman wasn't even like this. Pillman, the most he ever w- would usually do would be, you know, a splash off the top rope. So Jushin Thunder Liger, and I remember he being a real big deal amongst a lot of people once he got into WCW, much like Muda was. He didn't need to talk. They just loved him because kids love martial arts. And, you know, the older guys, you know, respected the work rate and the athleticism. So, I mean, he was an instant star in WCW that they really didn't do all that much with. I mean, his seminal moment in WCW is probably that first battle bowl where he's teaming up with Bill Kazmaier against, I think it's Mike Graham and DDP, <laughs> just to have the big guy, little guy dynamic. I mean, it's it's one of those real blown opportunities once again and we saw this in the W when we reviewed Scott Taylor versus Dean Malenko and Sasuke versus Takamichi Noku. Once you establish a cruiserweight division, if you don't build the cruiserweight division as legitimate ass kickers and its own thing and its own strength and keep them away from feeding them to the heavyweights, then it's going to fall on its ass and it's going to be seen as second rate. And that's what happened with the light heavyweight title. Yeah, this match was for the WCW light heavyweight title. Uh, 
Jushin Liger had won it on Christmas Day mm-hmm. the year prior, so a couple of months before. And Brian Pillman wins it back on this very show. We had, uh, you know, I asked people on Twitter, any memories of Pillman versus Liger from this event? Uh, BBNNC on Twitter says he loved the match. Perhaps the best WW, or excuse me, WCW pay-per-view ever. Thinks that this from top to bottom could have been the best WCW pay-per-view ever. Um, yeah, I haven't watched the entire show. I watched this opening there's some, match. There's some good matches yeah. on here. Because this is this is when the Dangerous Alliance is is really catching fire, starting to build up here. Because I think there's a there's a tag match with Austin and Anderson. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Zabisco's on here and Rick Rude. Well, yeah, Rick the Steiner Rude brothers against, against yeah, 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 the Steiner brothers against Anderson and uh, Beautiful Bobby. And Beautiful Bobby, yeah, yep. okay, yeah, and they were a great little. I mean, they didn't last very long as a team, but they were great together as yeah, well. So. It was cool because when Tony Schiavone is running down this car, you know, he's talking about one of the greatest teams ever versus a team of the two greatest tag team specialists ever. So it's like mm-hmm. it, this is almost like a dream team of tag teams going up against the best team of all time. Um, yeah. Ricky steamboot and Rick, Ricky steamboat and Rick rude. So you turned of, Canadian on me. Wow. Ricky steamboot, Ricky steamboot going for the, uh, championship. Oh, but, I uh, forgot. Yeah. Cactus Jack and Ron Simmons is a pretty good match. A lot of, a lot of good, good stuff. Role. A lot of good stuff on this show, but the match itself went 17 minutes was super cool. Uh, you know, even watching by today's standards was really fun and really good, but thinking about what could have been in 1992, you know, these guys going from Matt based, to the high flying, like move after move, like something right. you would see at like a ring of honor show mm-hmm. uh, was, was really cool to watch. And w- WWE put it on their top 100. They basically put the importance on the fact that this match right here kind of set the bar for the entire cruiserweight division in WWE and WCW. So like this was right here, the prelim for what the cruiserweights would become. I would buy that. Yeah. I would definitely buy that because this is really the first of its kind in America as a, you know, since they retired in the late 90s or late 80s, the uh, NWA junior heavyweight title, which was fought with guys like Denny Young and Sam Houston and Nelson Royal, who was ancient by the time mm-hmm. he was defending. And they were, you know, they were kind of slow plotting smaller guys who would also eventually, you know, he, they'd be jobbers to to mid card and, and upper card heavyweights. So this is really the first time where they're trying to establish something different here. And unfortunately it came at the end of the guy who could have probably taken care of them's reign. Um, yeah. So that that's WWE.com's reason for having it on the list is their reasoning as being mm-hmm. kind of the prelude to what the cruiserweights would become. And that is match. Uh, that is our top 100 match this week. It is match number 34 on our top 100 next week. Match number 33. Closer. What? We're getting closer to 30. <laughs> we are getting closer. We are getting closer. We are ever so slightly getting down uh, to the end of this list. But next week, match number 33, this uh, we will discuss on our Tuesday show. Mm-hmm. Match number 33, Edge versus John Cena from Unforgiven 2006. Yes, indeed. Edge and John Cena from 2006. So a little bit more modern here. Uh, Edge and John Cena from Unforgiven 2006 will be our match next Tuesday. We're going to be live on Sunday after Extreme Rules. Then we'll be back with our regular midweek show on Shake Them Ropes. I hope you join us for all of that. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, and much more. Follow at Shake Them Ropes for all the info. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash STR for our full catalog of shows. And, uh, oh my God, did it stop recording halfway through the show?
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.